love you. All right, if you have your Bibles, please stand with me. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 20. Amen. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 20. It says this in the New Living Translation. It says this. It says, walk with the wise. Everybody say, that's good. And become wise. Associate with fools and get in trouble. All right. I kind of feel like my mom's talking to me right here. I feel like, I feel like that she had that scripture and there's a lot of, anyway, we're going to talk about life giving relationships, life giving relationships, God honoring relationships and how important and impactful they are and should be in our lives. Amen. Let's pray. Precious Lord, we love you. We honor you. You are so great. Awesome. Thank you, Lord God, for being in this place and ministering to us. We love you. Help us in Jesus' name. Amen. Go ahead and have a seat. Amen. Give somebody a high five. Say, I'm glad that you are here next to me and have a good time. And I don't know about you, but I was thinking a little bit of some advice that mothers tend to give. Um, I, I heard this one uh, that said this, that since soap is so cheap, there's no reason you need to be dirty. Um, I guess there's something to that. There's something to being uh, clean, right? Um, don't take things too seriously, but get your chores done. Yeah, I know. I know. Exactly. Another one that uh, I've heard a lot is um, it's, it's your choice of friends, right? where it's revolving around the choice of friends that you have. Mothers, parents are very in tune to this. And maybe you've heard this one, if your friend would jump off a bridge. <laughs> would, you? would you? Exactly. There's a lot of advice out there. Now, I don't know about you, but there are life-giving relationships that you're going to come in contact with, and there are toxic relationships that you're going to come and get in, involved in. Um, I remember back when I was in um, uh, school, in my last years of school, that I had a friend, a very close friend of mine, good friend of mine, and uh, we used to do a lot together, and it was exciting, and we had a lot of fun, and we found ourselves in a lot of precarious situations, um, and people would liken us as gas and fire, gasoline and fire. I don't know who is the gasoline. I don't know who is the fire. But I do know that there probably were things that I was involved in that I probably wouldn't have gotten involved in if I was by myself. Right? I think we all get that. I think we all get that there are these, these influences in our life and in relationships that maybe cause us to be a little bit less than what our mothers would want us to be. Can I get an amen on that? We also have the other kind of relationships, the other kind of relationships that step into our life and they add value and they enhance us and they, they expand our minds. One of them, besides my mother, was my wife. Now, at that time, she was my girlfriend. And uh, she was really the one that kind of brought some really good things out of me, I believe. 
And I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful for the relationship that we had. I, I felt like she was the one that helped steer me clear of my self-destructive tendencies. And I'm grateful for that. We've met those pieces. But I'm telling you something that this topic that I'm kind of broaching right here about life-giving uh, relationships and toxic relationships is, is going throughout the Word of God as well. We see this happening all the time where, where these, these relationships are either giving life or they are destroying or taking away from life. There's this portion in 1 Corinthians where Paul is talking to the church and, and he's sharing about this group of people from Ephesus who are fighting wild animals. That's their thing. Or they go out and they fight wild animals. And, and he points to one of the things that they say right before they fight wild animals. And I'd like to read it to you. It's in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 32 and 34. He says... Those people of Ephesus, if there will be no resurrection from the dead, and if there is no, and if there is no resurrection, here's their mindset. They, they don't even think about the ending, but here they say, let's feast and drink for tomorrow we will die. Don't be fooled by those who say such things. And here's the, here's the portion of scripture. Bad company corrupts good character. See, and I thought my mom was just really wise, but she was reading from the Bible. I heard this one a lot. He goes on in verse 34, and he says, Think carefully about what is right. Stop sinning. For to your shame, I say that some of you don't know God at all. See, when we begin talking about life-giving relationships, I'm not just talking about rosy feelings. I'm not just talking about good investments in your, in your 401k or whatever the stock market. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about eternal significance. That's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about eternal significance and that that matters when we begin to think about this next stage or this next piece of life or, or window that we may look through or that we may, the doorway that we may step into. That's what I'm talking about. We are influenced by the company that we keep. Relationships, life-giving relationships may include mentors. They may include spouses. They may include romantic significant others. They may include uh, family. They may include friends, acquaintances. They may include organizations. They may include uh, causes that you might be of. But I know for sure what they include is they include these moments at the altar. Right? They, they include this, this connection with God's grace. They, they include the gospel message, right? Unto salvation, right? They, these life-giving relationships need to be filled like a, a pot filled with all of these amazing things that lead us into something that's bigger than this moment. The sort of life-giving relationship is about, it's about looking at to the outsider moment. It, it might benefit this moment, but it's the next moment that it might bring in. Amen. So here we are at Proverbs chapter 13, verse 20. Walk with the wise and become wise. Remember, wisdom is from God. Right. Associate with fools and get in trouble. See, wisdom is the application of understanding. Understanding comes from seeing the benefit from experience 
and learning or led by a certain set of principles or morals. That's what wisdom is about. So our challenge today is grow through wisdom. Our challenge over this next couple weeks of series is to, to develop these life-giving relationships that can, that can help impact us and impact our lives in our next steps. Wisdom contrib contributes to credibility, wholesome life, enduring relationships, the will of God, productivity, and all things eternal. That's what it does. So what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to elevate our pursuit of life-giving relationships. Allow us to focus on that and that they would add value to enhancing our lives. For example, in reading Ecclesiastes, the book of Ecclesiastes, which is written by Solomon. He is the wisest person to be known. Uh, he is the son of David. And he's a part of the lineage of Jesus Christ, meaning he is a great, 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 great grandfather of Jesus Christ. And um, out of him came this kingdom, right? And, and out of that came the book of Proverbs. I usually tell people that if they're looking to connect better with people, read Proverbs. If you're looking to connect better with God, read Psalms. Well, Ecclesiastes, another book that he wrote, is um, about the philosophy of life. It's only 12 chapters, but it's all these different pieces. It talks about different seasons. It talks about the work of your hands. It talks about where you put your attention. It, it talks about priorities. It talks about a variety of different things. It talks about the dead. It talks about the living. That's what it talks about, the philosophy of life. And I want you to see what he says at the very end of the book. If you turn there with me to Ecclesiastes chapter 12, 13 and 14, all right? It says this. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Ready? Fear God and keep his commandments. For this is man's all. See, there's, there's a relationship with truth that we also have to have. Right? A life-giving relationship with truth. If I do it a different way, Right? If I don't fear God, well, then I'm not going to get the life-giving that comes from that truth. If I don't obey His commandments, I'm going to stumble and fall, and I'm, I'm going to find myself, as the Word says, in a miry clay. Right? He goes on, verse 14, says, For God will bring every work into judgment, including every secret thing, whether good or evil. See, this is about our relationship with wisdom, ultimately. Wisdom in its purest form will lead us to God. This week, I'd like to focus on partnerships that contribute to God's will. And so what I thought I would do is I would invite somebody to come and help me with that. Jen, would you come up here and lend your, lend your words a little bit? <laughs> you know, something a little bit about Jen. Um, Jen, I... When I came from Mason City, Iowa, and we came to Wisconsin, um, she was one of the teachers in the school. And she was the choir teacher, Spanish teacher, that more teachers. Anyway, um, I want you to know that I take credit for her living for God today. <laughs> because I cause her to get on her knees often. 
and pray to the Lord God Almighty for salvation for this one right here. You're welcome. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Have a seat. Um, she um, has been involved in a lot of different things. Um, she's been part of ministry. Um, truly, one area that she was over was the choir, and, and so me and my brother were singers, my sister's a singer, and we liked music a lot. And um, I remember her giving us opportunities, opportunities to have interactions with God and with ministry. And I remember that at one part that I was involved, that as I was a part of the music there, that I actually felt like I felt a call of God on my life and I felt the heart of God for people. It literally changed my life. And um, that came from a partnership. Whether I happened to be in school or what, but I, that came from a partnership that put us together. And so if you don't mind, I wonder if I could pose some questions and maybe we could talk a little bit more about this. Um, well, just, um, just off of what you said, you know, um, even the choir, it, the choir teaching was so many hours. <laughs> it wasn't like when you're a teacher and you take on the extra things, you're pouring yourself in <laughs> after school, evenings. I think that when we were doing musical dramas, sometimes it was an additional three, four hundred hours of work to put those together. And... Um, you know, taking the kids to nursing homes, taking them to the malls, taking them, and and then, you know, not just letting them sing up here, but teaching them to go down and pray with and talk to people. I can remember at the nursing home telling all of you, like, now, we've, we've sang, now I want each of you to find someone in the crowd here and a senior citizen, and I want you to talk with them about their life. And... Um, it's interesting because you talk about opportunities for ministry. And when I look back, there are people that came to the school and, and they left. Um, there's a lot of people that left and now in their you know 30s, when they're having their own kids, they're, they're finding their way back. But the ones who were very involved in ministry, the ones that were making those connections, the ones that were learning how to put their gifts into um, to the kingdom, they're the ones that stayed, and not only did they stay, but they're the Robin Amy Yadnicheks, the Gary Dornbachs, the Dana Gladuskis today. And so it, it's an investment that has just so, so much return. Mm. Um, those hours that we put in, which, by the way, were kind of fun, but those hours that we put in, now it's nothing compared to looking at what all of these people are now doing and how they're active for the kingdom. That's interesting. Um, and I think that kind of leads into my first question about these types of um, partnerships are a result after we've been willing to invest in a relationship, yeah, I think is sure. what you're saying. I think for you were sure. telling me once about uh, a young girl that yeah. had walked in and and how that kind of has interconnected with yeah, the Yeah, um, when I was in the church as a teenager, one time they were, we used to have honor roll right in church because it was really connected to the school and so all the kids would come up and they'd hold their certificates and they were giving awards out and they were giving, as they were giving awards, they called a name and this little red-headed girl, so cute, four or five years old, came running down the aisle and then she tripped and just fell flat out 
and she started crying and she was so embarrassed and she ran out again. And so we went on with the program and about five, 10 minutes later, she walked down the aisle all the way up, came up the stairs. And I remember thinking, she's so brave. She's so brave. So then I left and I went where, you know, I, uh, Adam and I are kind of the boomerang family. We go, we come back, we go, we come back. So I had gone, I think Pennsylvania was in France. And then we came back and I was teaching and now she was a teenager. So I had her, still had that red hair. I just loved her. I invested in her. I, she, she drew to me. People always think you have favorites as a teacher, but they pick you. You don't pick them. Yeah. Yeah. They, they gravitate to you, you know, and so the need is right there. And um, she was at my house on weekends. I made countless uh, uh, pots of white chicken chili, and I, she was always asking me, caramel corn and we had deep talks and when she got in trouble in school I took her to Washington DC with me um, I had to go there for an uh, uh, event appointment and I, I asked her parents took her with me I mean totally invested in this child's life poured myself into her and after school she got involved with a lot of just very unfortunate things, started making very bad decisions, got involved with alcohol and marijuana and um, had many relationships. And then at 18, she got pregnant. And I remember her telling me that she was pregnant and she was so afraid to tell me. She felt so ashamed. And um, so we were on the cusp of leaving again, you know, and I felt very helpless and I felt really bad. I was just like, oh my gosh, like all this that I, I poured into her and I didn't make any difference. Like everything I did couldn't protect her, couldn't bring her to the place. And it like my heart just, it was really hard. And, uh, a couple years later, you know, her daughter was a toddler, and as she was raising her daughter, she began to think about where her life was at and how she wanted her daughter to grow up, and she clawed her way back, and um, she started coming back to church, and um, she met a young man, you... Um, Bishop Anthony, you taught him a Bible study. You took interest in them. He didn't know them from anything. And um, this girl was telling Uncle Tony about her boyfriend, and he wasn't in the church. And he said, well, I'll teach him a Bible study. And he did. And uh, he came into the church. They had another kid. So anyway, there, she's in her 30s now. She's serving God. She's got two really great kids. And um, in, in August, I hired her to be my administrative assistant at the school. And her name is Liza, and she's amazing, and everyone loves her, and she's killing it. That's amazing, isn't it? Yeah. Right? Yeah. I think that kind of begs the question, how do we find value, right, when we're investing in a relationship and seeming no fruit? I'm, I'm thinking about Judas with Jesus. Right. Right? I mean, I mean like he, epic fail. Right? He's epic hanging out with Jesus. And yet, not only does he lose faith, he misses the message, it seems, right? right? He loses hope, right? Yeah. It's, it's horrible. I mean, so how do we find value in, in some of these investments? I mean, I would, yeah, <laughs> epic fail. Um, I know, right? And when we're investing in people, ultimately, they have their own free will. And we're gonna, there are people that we're gonna invest in that turn out like Liza, where you just see the fruit of it. I get to see it every day, but there's a lot of people that you invest in and then they just go down a path and they make their own choices. 
I would argue that there's, you know, Judas has a purpose. He's a cautionary tale to us, right? Um, He was part of the will and the purpose of everything that unfolded. But yeah, I mean, I'd love to tell you that everyone that you invest in and (laughs) put seeds in the ground and water them and love them, that every plant is going to grow. You just keep turn them toward the light, water them. But some of them, mm -mm, it's going to crash and burn. But that's not our, that's not our problem, really. God did not ask us to judge. He asked us to love yeah, how true. and to love indiscriminately right. and unconditionally. Yeah. Yeah. So what, what strategies would you use for investing in life, uh, in, in life-giving relationships? Yeah. So there's a part of me that hates them. You know, I think I'm kind of an extroverted introvert. Like, I can talk in front of people okay, and I can be very friendly, but I also, like, I really like to disappear into my own life and my own house. Um, I love just being in my house by myself. So much by myself that if I ever have a day that my husband and daughter both happen to be gone, I'm like, yes. And COVID was like, such a joy. <laughs> I was just like, this is the best, you know. Just so, um, but that being said, I really recognize I grew up in a family of people that serve other people and serve them with their whole heart. And so um, when I was at Parkway at the school, what happened was at first when I went to work there, I really liked my content. And then I thought, these kids are pretty cool, and you know, like, what can I do with them? And then somewhere in there, that changed where I cared about every kid, and my heart was in it. And once you are purpose-driven, and you are kingdom-purposed, that's when you can get over all of the, you know, I think it takes vulnerability, right? We have to be vulnerable in order to touch people and be involved in their lives and allow them to be in our lives. And we hate it. We're, we're hardwired, our survival instinct, to, to not make ourselves vulnerable. But that's where God says yes, but the spirit has to overcome because every good thing is on the other side of vulnerability. Mm-hmm. So for me, the strategy is because I, I, you know, I, I'm like the worst if left to my own devices. But I remind myself constantly that God wants us involved, that there's, the world has a need and the people in front of us are dying mm-hmm. and they are struggling. And so, you know, now I'm back at VCA and every time I feel myself wanting to, you know, like pull back, because it's hard to be vulnerable. You're, it literally vulnerable means to open yourself up to attack. Who wants to do that, right? But I remind myself that there is such a greater purpose um, I don't even think you can do the fruits of the spirit without vulnerability, kindness, goodness, gentleness, patience, long suffering. You have to be vulnerable. So my biggest strategy is just tell the true story of who I am with my whole heart and, and be vulnerable. That's good. And you're also alluding to the idea of the kingdom perspective yes. as well. So and what that does, 
So I, I think sometimes we run into situations where, yeah, I want to, let me see, I want to find someone to do a life-giving relationship and who's going to be most effective. Sometimes we almost do profiling. Yeah, like, I, well, not that person, not that, like, yeah, and in the other service, I told the story of working for Paul Ryan, and um, what I did is I gathered signatures for his nomination. So while he walked in the parade, often with my daughter on his lap, because she was like really cute and looked like, mm -hmm. you know. I'd walk the crowd and I'd get signatures and I would find myself being like, oh, that person looks like they're a union person. That person's not gonna want a Republican. He's not gonna sign. And I would pass people by, you know. And then all of a sudden when I was doing that, I had this horrible, horrible moment, like look in the mirror moment. I hate those, right? Where I realized God told me, you know you do that in the kingdom too. You, you pick and choose and profile of giving your witness and your testimony, and you're, you are an obstacle and you are missing people that really need the message and need Jesus. And I was just like, oh, man, I'm the worst, you know? Yeah, that's so true. You said something, too, about the idea of this vulnerability openness. I think if, if I'm listening in, I'd want to know what... What, how do I take that? How do I apply that vulnerability to the mission, right? To a budding relationship. Mm -hmm. How do I apply that to a uh, opportunity that I can take advantage of? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's really daunting. And um, so my grandma, when I lived with her, uh, we always had someone staying with her and living with her. And I picked up the same thing. I pick up strays. It's like not cats, guys, like people. And... Um, like when my niece was 16 years old, she was a hot mess. She was um, prostituting herself. She was doing drugs. She was a runaway. She was, had um, ADHD and oppositional defiance disorder. She was a mess. And when she, I started working with her, there was a point where um, she was kind of like, or I could just come live with you, Aunt Jen. And I had this sickening thought. <laughs> Oh, Sarah, I'm sorry. I love you so much. But I had this sickening thought of, oh, my gosh, if, I, if she comes and lives with me, she's going to be in my life this way forever. Like, I, I can't just get involved in her life and then be like, okay, go, you know. Like, I can't abandon her. And the daunting thought of having to nurture her for the rest of her life, it almost stopped me. But her need was so great. And I think we do that. Like we bring people in or you know someone needs help or you start kind of, then you realize, ooh, they're a hot mess. And if I get involved, I'm going to have that hot mess in my life indefinitely. Um, and I don't, I'm just trying to be very human about it. Like that's really difficult. But you know what? I think that's exactly what God expects from us. I really believe it. I believe he wants us to bring people into our life and, and to give everything that we have and show love and show love and show love. And it's, it's hard. It's and really hard. And doesn't God give us the virtue to do that? He does. Every time I think my tank is empty, like now with my kids and my staff, there are times when <laughs> I was, I said this before too, like someone will come in my office and every time they come in my office, as soon as I see them, I think my blood pressure goes up a little bit. Mm -hmm. Right, and there's always that one that you're like, <laughs> and I really believe that God, 
you know, I have a prayer bench right in my office now. One day I was having a day and I was crying. I started to cry as I was walked down the hallway because there were just so many problems. And Pastor Rogers had this old prayer bench in one of the offices that wasn't being used. And I went down to that office and I dragged the prayer bench down the hall into my <laughs> office, yep, and just threw myself down. And, and really, I believe that every time I do that, God just fills the tank again. And we think I only have so much to give to everybody. I was saying my circle's really big, and actually I'd like to kick a couple people out of it. But God just keeps giving you more ability to make those connect. We, our purpose as humans is connection. It is the reason we are here. Otherwise, when we got the Holy Ghost, God would go and take us up. We are meant to connect with others, and we can't realize our purpose if we don't do it. That's very true. You were sharing a little bit about where that kind of got deposited in your spirit because you used to live with Angeline Tamil. Yeah. You used to see mm -hmm. some of the things ministry. Yeah. My, I remember my grandma, um, gosh, she, so her, my dad and Amy's dad are her two sons, you know, and then she has a daughter as well. And both sons had become prodigals. They both left. And, and my grandma prayed for them constantly to come back. And these were her kids. I know some of you are in this position now. Your kids have grown up and they're kind of, uh, you know. And um, one day my grandma was praying and she was in the spirit and she was overwhelmed. And she, full of just everything that you have when God is really there in the room and you're communicating, she cried out, God, take my life and save my sons. And she felt she had a promise from God. And she went to bed like, bye world, thinking she wasn't going to wake up in the morning. She had that faith that God was going to take her and exchange her for her sons. And in the morning, she opened her eyes and she went, Lord, you said you were going to take my life. We were going to make a trade. And God said, I am going to take your life in service. And if you service. serve me every day, your sons will be saved. And I want you to know that in my dad's case, it was 18 years mm. before he came back. Mm. Who can, I mean, we get upset if someone doesn't respond in a week. <laughs> you know, she served 18 years faithfully and her sons came back. And Bishop, you came back much earlier and, and he came back in full service of God. Yeah. Um, and I think that that's a lot of patience. <laughs> And maybe, you know, like some of you have people you've been praying for for a very long time. Um, and that is a life-giving relationship because you're interceding on their behalf. And God is working. And you just don't know when, where, how. But I think you have to believe. And, you know, my brother is, uh, was in the church and is no longer in the church. We have a very close relationship. We pray for him all the time. And I believe in all my heart that there's a day that we're going to kneel at the altar together. But if I go to my grave or he goes to his grave and it doesn't happen, I will know that I loved him with the love of Jesus every day of his life to the very end. And that, to me, it, it's still worth it because it's a better way to live and it's a better model for us, you know? Yeah. There's something about reaching to... Anybody and everybody, right? Yeah. 
Who, who's in, my grandmother was great, and all she ever did was help whoever was in front of her. And she had this, <laughs> she had this small group. Now, I was in my 20s, so please don't judge me too harshly, because pretty much I was terrible. But she had this small group, and it were, there were all these um, little Latino ladies, and they were, they were all hot messes. This one's son was in jail. This one's kids were, like, out there. This ones was in a gang. I mean, they were a mess, and it never seemed to change. The, there was drama, drama, drama all the time. They just tripped along. And my grandma met with them every week and loved on them and met with them. And one day, I, okay, I was like a kid, you know, and dumb. But one day I said to her, Grandma, you are the pastor's wife of this huge church. Everyone in this church would love to be in your small group. They all want your attention. Why, why are you giving it to this group? Because in my arrogant 20-year-old heart, I kind of saw them as less than. And so I was like, why them? You could, you could have anyone. Why them? She looked confused at the question, and she said, because they need me. And it was such a lesson for me about my own arrogance. Um, and what true servanthood is and valuing and understanding that God created each person with intention and design. Mm. He loves them as much as he loves this one. And now I look back on that person and I'm so ashamed because I think, who am I to think any other human being is somehow less than? Mm -hmm. So it was really um, an important lesson for me. And I don't look back at that, you know, like it's embarrassing and shameful to share it. But I think we all have to grow and we come to a place where we realize if we work with people and connect <laughs> with people, Excuse me. we literally are doing something for the thing that God finds most precious right. right right we are we become stewards of his most precious thing that's amazing we never know the investment how far it will go um you know we're talking about partnerships right and we're talking about interactions that we have with people that out of it something beautiful happens in the kingdom of god and i was just wondering if you had any god-ordained remarkable partnerships recently. Nope. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. No, can't think of any. No. Um, so I just took a new position in August, right before school started as a school principal. And I'm the principal of a K-12 school. And um, amazing things are happening. So we had 250 kids-ish last year, this year we have 312, and the school is growing exponentially. Next year we'll probably have well over 400. I'm actually thinking 450, 475. So this growth, part of it is, it's not just church kids. We have like half, our choice kids are come in, so half of our kids are unchurched. And um, in this growth, I've been recruiting, 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 and there are a lot, like raise your hand if you're now working for the school. So you can see one, two, three, four, I'm five. Um, so uh, now I have, there were 26 employees and now there's 54. And of those 54, 52 of them are filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Mm. So it's this amazing atmosphere where 
spirit-filled apostolic teachers are teaching children who are, a lot of them are not churched, but we're influencing and connecting with them and their families. We have a whole mentorship. Not only do we have peer mentors and campus ministry mentors in the school, but we have families in churches that do home visits to our families and connect with them there. Last year, 36 kids in our school got the Holy Ghost. Mm. I know, incredible. And, um, you know, so in telling all of that, we need more space. We're, we've, we've outgrown the space kind of like this. And um, my boss, we've been looking at different school buildings that are going to be empty or that we could get. My boss walked in, and this is, again, connections. So I have a boss, and his son also works at the school. And his, one of the things his son DJ does is he's a coach. So DJ took some of his boys to go and just work out at the South Shore um, uh, Athletic Club. So they're playing basketball, they're working out. Well, my boss loves the kids. So he went too, and he was just there with them, watching them practice, and he was all proud of them. And all of a sudden, the owner walked up, and uh, the guys asked him who he was, and they were talking, and he said, oh, I'm the owner of this place. And my boss said, you have a great facility here, and it is a huge brand new refinished gym with wooden floors. It has two pools, it has, um, it has soccer fields, it has like 15 acres of land. Like we can do, you know, a lot with that. But at the moment, there was no plan to, except that in that moment that my boss said, this is a great facility, the guy said, well, how would you like to buy it? And my boss was like, this could be, he always says, it's not a good idea. It's a God idea. Mm -hmm. And so he was like, this could be a God idea. So we started working with this guy and found out that he's a practicing Muslim and he serves a lot of the Muslim community, which I didn't even know there was a large, but Karahe has a large Muslim community. And they even have a gym that is a women's gym that men cannot go in because the women are very modest and it's shameful for a, if a man would see them working out or in workout clothes. So as we're talking with him and working with him, um, he came to the school and toured and we met there and he said, I'm amazed your staff just really seems to care about each other. Like you're, you really love each other. And I kind of like, we forget in our culture that that's not normal out there. Mm -hmm. We just think everyone does that. So I'm like, well, yeah, we're a family, you know? And um, he's watching all this. So my, um, my boss invited him to go to the first night of midwinter camp. Yeah, well, and he told him, oh uh, if you come to the midwinter camp, I'll give you the first deposit for the building, which was like $50,000. I'll give you the check when you're there, so come and get it, you know. So the guy came, and I am in the balcony, and I look down, and there he is in the fourth row, because my boss is a minister. And so everyone's worshiping, and during the worship, all the young people and some other people all go up to the front, and they're worshiping. And my uh, Omer, Omer is his name because he's Muslim, he's like this. Yep. <laughs> and then after, after a while, he, uh, he takes out his phone. <laughs> and he, he starts videoing and I'm like watching this and I'm like oh no this is gonna go viral like we're gonna be on Fox 6 or something you know like I was just like oh gosh so later in the service he some at some point something that the uh, speaker Eugene Wilson said he started weeping 
and my boss prayed with him, you know. So he left, but it turned out that that video that he was shooting, he was shooting to take home and show his family. So he showed us, he has three daughters, like from like ages, I think maybe 17 to like 22, and his wife. So he showed them the video. So Friday night, I'm in the balcony with my redheaded, now saved living for God assistant. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm sitting there and all of a sudden my phone vibrates and I take a look at it. And it's a message from Omer saying, hey, I'm at your church again tonight, this time with my whole family with a big smiley face. And, uh, which it wasn't my church, but you know, so I look at it and I, I was like, where are you? And he's like, front, fourth row. (laughs) So I look over the balcony and there they are, you know, and, um, I'm like, look up and then to your right, just behind you. So he's like, and Liza and I are like, ah, you know. So the service goes, and this time the worship service is wild. The presence of the Lord, I can feel the presence of the Lord, I'm going to get. And the whole altar, the whole altar is going like this. Because everybody's jumping up and down. Everybody. I mean, it was almost like it looked fake, at least from the balcony, because ev- it was just like this. And then Omer and his family... like this you know so we get to the end of the service and they're um you know winding down and then the preacher asks everyone to stand up and um I look down and Omer's like this with his hands barely up just like this you know and I'm watching and they start the music and they start the altar call and then I grabbed my phone and took out my video camera because this is what I saw The man in the gray suit is Omer, and that's his wife and his kids that he's hugging, and they're all praying, and people are praying for them. And I'll tell you something, I love my boss because I would have profiled a practicing Muslim. I wouldn't have, I would not have even thought to invite him to a service, but my boss felt the Holy Ghost and was discerning and knew and so um after the service i went and i i hugged him you know and i hugged his wife and he introduced me to all his kids and um the next day he he asked for a bible study for him and his family and he told my boss my boss would always tell him in negotiations because my boss is very slick he'd be like omer we both serve the god of abraham you know he'd always try to make a connection But Omer told him, I know nothing about your God. But in the service, I know I was having an authentic encounter with the God of the universe, and that's what got me. And um, yeah. I'm so glad to be involved with him, you know. Now he texts me and I go to the Y and his daughters are there and Brayden got to meet one of the one of the daughters and I said to her, Brayden was there and I said, so what did you think? Was it kind of, you know what I mean? Because I, I just, I remember Omer being like, and she goes, no, I thought it was really exciting and interesting. It interested me. And so I was telling her, well, if you want to get it, she's 20, you know, like Brayden is like, they're all that age. Um, but now... I know in my heart that that family is there. 
they're on the path. They're gonna be, yeah. they're gonna be saved Christians. So, and I thank God that I was able to be a part of it. And I know in my heart, like that is another lesson to me. You cannot, you cannot judge. Ours is not to decide who deserves to hear the message of Christ. Ours. It is not for us. Like God, God did not give us like that. That's too much of a burden for us to carry. He never intended us to carry the burden of determining who's worthy of the kingdom message and who will respond. All he gave to us is put it out there and love and love and love and love and love some more and, and love some more. And, um, you know, um, Pastor, I, I'm getting to a point in my life where I, I realize I have to extend myself. And um, I, just, I always think of my grandma. I always think of her. And um, you, you bungled the story, you know, so I'm going to just quick tell okay. it. The starfish story uh, always impressed me. And uh, so the story, and many of you know it, is that there was an old man and he was walking on the beach and he looked up and in the distance he saw a figure and it looked like the figure was dancing on the beach and he walked closer and closer and then when he got closer he realized it was a kid and the kid was like bending down and then standing up and bending down and standing up and when he got even closer he saw that the tide had washed in thousands of starfish and then it went back out and they were stranded on the beach. You know, they die that way if they don't have water. And this little boy was in the, in the midst of thousands of starfish and he was picking one up at a time and tossing them back into the ocean. And the old man said, kid, you're crazy. Look around you, there are thousands of starfish and you're just one little boy. You can't possibly make a difference here. And so he picked up a starfish and he threw it into the ocean and he said, well, I made a difference for that one. Yeah. And I think that's the attitude that I want to have. I want to have that attitude. You know, you pick up the one that's in front of you and God will send you people. And God is opening so many doors right now. Like I could literally take the next two hours and tell you miracle after miracle after miracle about the partnerships that are happening. But if we're not open to them, if we're not willing to be vulnerable, they won't happen. And then that's on us, you know. Thank you, Jennifer. (laughs) Why don't you all stand? Jennifer, don't leave yet. Okay. Right here. Um, this, this focus or this series is about life-giving relationships. And I'm asking you to take inventory. I'm asking you to take inventory in your own life. And, and in this one, focusing on the partnerships. Sometimes the partnership is with someone who they don't know, but they need a life-giving relationship, and that's you. Other times, it is that we're partnering with someone else and they're bringing out the very best in us. And so I just want to challenge us. We're going to open up this altar in a moment. I want to challenge you to talk to the Lord about your life, 
and about what he has in store for you and, and what he's showing in your next step. Jen, would you pray us out? Sure. God, I just thank you for the opportunity, Lord. Um, <laughs> it's so beautiful and, and humbling when you give us the opportunity to tell the true story of who we are with our whole heart. I pray that you would help us all, God, to be kingdom-minded, Lord, and let our kingdom purpose be greater than anything that keeps us from being vulnerable, Lord. I pray that you give us such a love for one another, first of all, that people know that we're your disciples because of our love, but also open us up to the opportunities and the people you bring into our lives. Remind us every day that you refill us with the love, the grace, and the peace to make a difference in a world that is so dark, God. We are the light, and we need to be shining 24-7.